Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. And today, our guest is Alan Woods. He is the founder and the executive director of Mortar. In just a moment, he will be with us and tell us all about what he is up to at Mortar. Also, just a friendly reminder that you can find us on Facebook. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. In just a moment, Alan will be with us from Martyr. As I went walking that ribbon highway. Hello, and thanks for listening. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm Carol Murphy, your host, and Clark Grant is in the studio. Today, our guest is Alan Woods, and he is the founder of Mortar. Hello, Alan. Hey, how are you doing? We are doing great. It is a beautiful, sunny day here in Montana, which we cherish in the spring because it snows (laughs) all spring here. (laughs) Where are you speaking with us from, Alan? So I am talking to you live from Cincinnati, and uh, it is a bright and sunny day with random snow flurries in spring, and I don't know where they came from. Maybe it's an April Fool's joke. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Can you share with our listeners a little intro? What is Mortar, and what what do you do there, and why did you found it? Absolutely. So Mortar is an accelerator designed to make entrepreneurship more accessible and uh, more equitable. One of the things that we've noticed uh, in Cincinnati and around the country is that oftentimes there are people who have brilliant ideas and maybe they just don't have the uh, actionable steps to make their visions a reality. So we have created Mortar to assist them in that process so that we can kind of, you know, give them those next steps. So we have a 15-week academy that we have created with our very own curriculum that is culturally competent and really walks them through the concept phase or the scaling phase and really just helps them to really picture what it could look like to build their business. And then we just kind of stay with them for a number of years just to make sure that they have the support and network and guidance so that they can get their businesses started right in their own communities. Wow, that sounds impactful. We'll talk more about that. But first, let's talk about you, Alan. Yeah. (laughs) Where are you from? Did you grow up in Cincinnati? No, I've actually been in Cincinnati for nine years. I am originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. My wife and I were both born in Indianapolis, and her job in media is actually what brought us to Cincinnati. And I was, at the time, working in my own graphic design firm and, you know, working with a lot of small businesses, working with some corporate clients as well. Uh, And that's what brought us to Cincinnati. And, uh, I've been working with entrepreneurs in some capacity for a really long time. And, you know, it really created this opportunity for me to kind of pull all of my gifts into one place and kind of carve out and create what I like to feel is a dream job. You know, I get to do all of my passions, which include like photography, writing, you know, public speaking, 
And I get to do all of those things in this one job and, of course, consulting, you know, other entrepreneurs. So for me, you know, moving to Cincinnati really gave me a a chance to kind of step out of my comfort zone and uh, kind of create something that was bigger than me. And what kind of things did you do in the past that you feel like really prepared you for this role at Mortar? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I started, I I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. You know, I was 12 years old. I was a kid with a camera and I really had a passion for doing photography. And what I had was some parents that were really, really supportive of me. And so they, they made sure that I had a camera, that I made it to weekend classes at the local college that was putting, you know, art classes together for kids. They made sure that if I wanted to go to an art museum or, you know, something like that, they carved that out. You know, they really were intentional about making sure that they were supportive of my quest. And in that process, you know, I started out trying to figure it out and see if this something this was something I could change from a hobby into a business. And I actually uh, met a guy named Gordon Parks when I was a kid. You know, he was the first black photographer for Life magazine and for Vogue magazine. And he he was just like a national treasure for photography in America. And I got to meet him and he kind of lit this spark in me that this was something that I could actually pursue. And it was something that, you know, didn't have to be a hobby. It it was something that could become kind of a real major part of my life. And so I, I started, you know, as an entrepreneur doing photography. After I graduated from high school, went back to school for, you know, college and I got my graphic design degree to kind of add that to my company so I could do photography and graphic design. And ultimately, I just really wanted to work with small businesses to make sure that they had what they needed, you know, brand wise and visuals to make sure that they looked like a real business. And in that process, I would get a lot of people who asked questions about, well, you run a business. Tell me, you know, how I should do this or how should I do that? And so my photography business that merged into a graphic design business soon merged into a brand strategy business. And I was doing a lot of consulting for small businesses. So then once I moved to Cincinnati, I connected with my two other co-founders, Derek and William. And essentially we created Mortar using all of our different and unique gifts and talents and kind of just brought them together to, to make a difference in the lives of other people who were pursuing entrepreneurship, primarily in the black and brown community. And, you know, the majority of our participants are women. And so we are strategically focusing on, you know, marginalized communities and and entrepreneurs that typically are overlooked a lot of the time. And how were you able to meet such an incredible mentor early on? It's been really interesting. You know, I, I really feel like being in the right place at the right time and, you know, knowing that God is kind of opening doors for us. There were a lot of times when we met people that we couldn't explain, you know, just like in human ways, like why this person was so supportive of us as soon as they met us, you know, or, you know, why they would, you know, offer for us to use their office space for free. You know, like there was just a lot of things and parts of our journey that are kind of hard to explain, but just really understanding that sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time and kind of being prepared for whatever could happen. 
Um, and I think a lot of times we were we were ready to you know make the pitch and we were ready to have the conversations and to kind of sell this idea to the people who ultimately were you know our, our first supporters and they definitely opened the door to make this thing a possibility. And how about your parents? Mm-hmm. It just sounds like they were extra special. Can you talk a little bit about them and and why you think they were such good supporters? It, it's interesting that you say that because, like most kids, I didn't realize that they were extra special. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I just was, you know, I was like, this is what you know parents are supposed to do, you know, or you know, I, I maybe I was entitled or privileged and just didn't understand all of the sacrifices and the the things that they did to make sure that, you know, me and my older brother had a great life and had access to culture. And for a lot of kids, your parents taking you to the museum is not an, your idea of a great day. Um, it's something that, you know, most kids go to museums with, you know, on field trips with their classmates and things like that. But I think that my parents really wanted to make sure that culture was a part of our lives. And, you know, they they ultimately, I think they saw something in me that I didn't see at the time. And they they were like my first investors, I guess. You know, they, they really invested in me with time and support and, you know, really just wanted to make sure that I, I had what I needed to kind of pursue this thing. And honestly, that has become one of the major components of building mortar out is kind of recognizing that everybody doesn't have these types of support systems and everybody doesn't have people in their lives who will make sure that they have access to experiences or culture or, you know, resources or just the the tools that they need to move forward. And it took me a really long time, you know, until probably even after I started mortar to realize that what I was essentially doing with my co-founders is we were kind of emulating this system of support that my parents gave me. And I wasn't even realizing that at the time, you know, because I was just, you know, just a kid, just, you know, feeling like this is what every parent did. And so now through Mortar, I get to really pay it forward through the work that we do and making sure that other people have access to resources and support and the guidance that they need to move forward. Mm. That's incredible. And I'm just kind of curious, have you identified what the cornerstones are of that support system? Yeah, honestly, some of them have kind of changed, but, you know, when I think of like the five pillars of mortars work, a lot of them are kind of connected to that, that system, you know, that I learned early on and, and didn't really realize until I was an adult. But so our five pillars are, for one, um, our academy. Um, and all of these are based on barriers that we identified in our community for entrepreneurs that uh, we were kind of talking to and, and trying to figure out how we could help. So our academy kind of addresses the barrier of, you know, that knowledge base or know-how of what to do and how to convert the gift into something that you can monetize. So uh, in creating that academy, it gives us 15 weeks to really work with our participants really hand-on. We we pair pair them with a mentor. We have facilitators who kind of guide them through this process so they're never alone through it. Our second tier 
is our alumni program, which is 18 months of ongoing service support, guardrails, shoulders to cry on, all of those things, which really, you know, ultimately when we think about a lot of other programs around the country that are similar to ours, one of the things that we noticed early on is that a lot of them have these programs and then you go through this nine-week accelerator or 10 weeks and then uh, afterwards, you kind of had this cliff effect where there was nothing else after you graduated to kind of support you into the next era of your business. And so that was one of the things we wanted to make sure that we had was that alumni component so that we could kind of build a network of people around the graduate. The third uh, pillar of our work is spaces. And that's physical space. Like, so if you're an entrepreneur who is trying to figure out how to get your own space or you want to test out an idea, we have created something called Brick Pop-Up Shops, which gives people the ability to utilize some of the spaces that we have rented. um, And they can come and use it for a weekend, a week, a month, and just kind of test out their ideas. And we recently even piloted a program that has four different entrepreneurs doing a year-long uh, connection where, you know, all four of them have collaborated to create a space called pause, which gives people a chance to just kind of take a pause in their day and go in and grab a candle or plants or crystals or uh, cold pressed juice, or you could even get a massage in this space. And it's really just designed around, around having people take a pause. Uh, and so, you know, being able to sign the lease for that space and let people get in there and test it out. And then, you know, I'm happy to report that they're actually in the process of signing the lease over to those individual entrepreneurs instead of it being in our name, which is a huge part of the process. You know, we're essentially co-signing on a space until they're able to have the track record to sign their own lease with a landlord. Um, the, the fourth pillar is our Iron Chess Fund, uh, which is essentially making sure that entrepreneurs have capital to get started. So we have given $279,000 in grants to our graduates in capital. So some of it's grants, some of it's loans. We even have one equity investment in a local brewery um, that went through our program. And that last pillar, the fifth one is advocacy. You know, it's it's being in a room that maybe our entrepreneurs are not in and really standing up for them and carving out space for them and having conversations with politicians or government or, you know, corporations and saying, you know, hey, we know some people who could help you solve these problems. Or if you're looking for a caterer, we have a list of caterers. And so we're really advocating for them and talking to policymakers to make sure that we're building, you know, processes and and laws around being supportive of the small business community. And I think that, you know, all of those things were things that my parents definitely did for me. And they, they really advocated for me and made sure that I had space and I had know-how and they were my network and my mentors and uh, definitely put a little bit of capital and sweat equity into helping me get the business started. So um, through those five pillars, we are able to help entrepreneurs really start to pursue their their dreams. I'm feeling very inspired listening to you, Alan. <laughs> Pretty amazing. So we're at that midway point, and we're going to take a little yeah. break here, and we shall be Absolutely. right back with Alan Woods. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. 
Today, we are speaking with our guest, Alan Woods. He is the founder of Mortar, and we've been talking about his incubator there in Cincinnati. But I was wondering, Alan, also, you had some experience with new profits and some mentorship yeah. with them. Can you talk about that a little bit? We had, um, Angelo was with us from New Profits previously, and oh, yeah. they are up to some amazing things. Yes, yes. So New Profit has been a an amazing, you know, fellowship program that we went through. You know, the fact that they bring together multiple entrepreneurs together to kind of learn uh, collaboratively and learn from each other. I think that that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of missing from their journey is not even just always having that mentorship or that network, but also having people who may be going through what you're going through, or maybe they've already been through it and they can offer some unique insights and guidance through that process. So with everything that New Profit provided for us and the, you know, building into our organization, one of the other things that they provided for us is, you know, this whole collaborative cohort, you know, that built into each other. Uh, and I'm not even sure that that is necessarily something that they would list, you know, in, in the benefits of that particular program, but definitely something that I would highlight and say that, you know, was super beneficial. Um, I still have uh, regular conversations with people over at New Profit, um, specifically with your Donalds, you know, being able to have, you know, check-ins with her every month and just being able to share where our journey is currently taking us. And, you know, she's sharing her expertise and, and really has kind of become an advisor and an ally in the work that we're doing. And uh, I'm, I'm super thankful for having that opportunity to, uh, you know, go out to Boston and really spend some time with them and definitely a highlight of my journey as an entrepreneur and, you know, as a founder of Mortar. And I'm just curious if COVID has impacted mm -hmm. your work and if so, how? You know, it's, it's. I would imagine that COVID has impacted everyone's work in some capacity. Um, I think that for us, what it has done is it has actually made more people realize how important our work is. When the initial reports started coming out about you know COVID and what to expect, the initial thought was that about 25% of the businesses in America were going to close due to COVID. And then when further analysis was done, that number actually shifted to about 40% when you look specifically at the Black community. And so with that being our primary, you know, target audience, one of the things that people started to really realize is that there are additional challenges and there are systemic obstacles that have prevented a lot of our participants from becoming entrepreneurs sooner or being able to scale, you know? And so there are things that are historical, there are things that are, you know, current challenges. And I think that, you know, COVID really brought a lot of those things to the surface. Um, and so for us, it really made us kind of amplify the work that we were doing. We dug in even deeper with our participants. Um, like I said, we typically do 18 months of service, but 
when COVID hit, we literally got on the phone and called every single graduate who had ever gone through our program. And at that point, it was about 250 people who had graduated from our program. And so we kind of divided up the list amongst our staff. And first off, we called to ask people how they were doing as individuals. Um, and then secondly, how the business was doing. Because I think that it's really important to check in on the people first and the business second. Um, and that's just one of the principles that we kind of operate in. And thankfully, one, one of the good testimonies, I guess, of 2020 for us, all of our graduates, which is 79% of our graduates are still in business. All of the ones that had been in business before COVID are still in business today. Like there was none of our businesses that went out of business. There were some that definitely struggled. There were some that had to pivot. There were some that had some unique challenges and had to, you know, do the PPP or find other grant sources to, to you know, remain sustainable. Um, but none of our business was closed. And, you know, to put a cherry on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, we actually had about five or six of our businesses actually celebrated grand openings throughout COVID. So it's like, you see, you know, on one end, this disastrous, you know, thing happening for a lot of businesses, but then on the other end, you're seeing that some businesses are not only surviving, but they're thriving, or they're getting a new opportunity to start something and really put it into the marketplace. So for us, it was definitely a challenging time, definitely a trying time, but I think that for us, it, it showed us how resilient our entrepreneurs are. And it showed us that, you know, even through it all, we were there and we were able to be supportive of the work that they were doing and able to kind of make sure that, you know, we were finding out what their specific needs were so that we could help them find the source of help if we weren't that person, you know, find that organization that could help them with, ever, with what they were going through. You know, and I'm constantly chatting with other entrepreneurs who are looking for co-founders. So, I, and you yeah. mentioned that you have two. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found your co-founders and a little bit about them? Yeah, absolutely. So, I have uh, Derek and William to thank for getting Mortar to where we are today. Honestly, there's no possible way that I could have done this by myself period. I met Derek when I was in Indianapolis. We were both working with entrepreneurs in different capacities. He had actually started another nonprofit there and he was doing pitch nights uh, where you kind of just rally around a couple of different entrepreneurs. People come in, they would pay a couple of dollars to get in the door. And at the end of the night, you pull all the money together and whoever they vote for gets the pot of money. Um, so I was working on an event. It was an entrepreneurship boot camp, And I was like, I would love to have a pitch at this event. So I reached out to Derek. We collaborated. That was the first time we worked together. And little did we know at that point that it would not be the last. Derek and William actually went to college together. And so when I moved to Cincinnati about nine years ago, uh, about a year after I moved to Cincinnati, Derek moved to Cincinnati, completely unrelated. But our third co-founder, William, uh, his college friend is from Cincinnati. And he was telling Derek, hey, there's a lot of excitement, energy, and passion happening around entrepreneurship here. I really think that Cincinnati is going to be a good place for you to come to kind of flourish. Um, so once he got to Cincinnati, they started having that conversation. And then he said, hey, you know, William, I know this guy from Indy. 
named Alan. I think that he would be, you know, an excellent part of what we're building. So they brought me in. We had a conversation and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, and now um, we're going into our seventh year. They have since left to go start other entrepreneurial endeavors. So Derek actually went through our program. You know, he he went through as a participant to start his own food business. He he had started traveling to Mexico City for leisure and just fell in love with the food and went in a couple times and studied under a chef there. And now he has a taco stand that is behind one of the local bars in Cincinnati. And William has always just done a lot of impactful social initiatives and events that bring people together. So he has actually started an initiative as well that is around kind of doing these different social events. So even during the pandemic, being able to do gallery shows and do things that could still bring people together um, even during some of the other like racial turmoil and things that were happening. Um, he did an event that was amazing that was essentially blocking off about five blocks of some major streets in Cincinnati. And he did an event called Our Tables, which he kind of pulled together uh, lots of different people from different backgrounds. And we just sat around tables and really had candid conversations about the challenges and what we were seeing uh, regarding race in America and, you know, police brutality and, you know, after effects and what happens next. And so I, I'm really proud of both of them. They are still on our board and still active members of Mortar and the Mortar family just in a different capacity. But I think that for us, the key was having people from different backgrounds with different levels of expertise in different things. So wherever one person had a gap, someone else kind of stepped in and filled that. And so having this kind of three-man weave of founders was really essential for us and, and got us um, off to a great start and has propelled us significantly. We've got, oh, maybe about three minutes left, but I was hoping that yeah. we could touch upon funding and how you've been able to fund all this. Absolutely. So we are a nonprofit, so we get a lot of our funding from uh, working specifically with foundations, um, filling out grants. Um, but we also, because we are also entrepreneurs, have developed a, a, quite a system for earned revenue. So we, as I mentioned earlier for our academy, we created our own uh, culturally competent curriculum. And what we've done is we've actually been able to license that to other organizations. So around the country, um, this one program that we started, you know, it's like the little, little train that could. We started this program designed for one neighborhood and now we're in six neighborhoods in Cincinnati, but then we're also in six additional cities outside of Cincinnati, which is, you know, really compelling for us to know that we're able to do that. Indianapolis, my hometown, is one of the cities that we just signed on. And so we're preparing for their first cohort. Also, Tulsa, Oklahoma just signed. Um, so they'll be starting in the spring. We're also active in Akron, Ohio, Covington, Kentucky, Kansas City, Missouri, and, um, you know, also in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, you know, we're thrilled to be a part of building out ecosystems and helping other organizations who are really looking at equity and what it looks like for entrepreneurs. So, um, you know, just thankful for the opportunity to get started in Cincinnati, but grateful to be able to 
not hoard all of that knowledge, but being able to take it to other places. When you say culturally competent, I'm yeah. not sure I even really understand what what yeah. is the definition um, of culturally competent. Absolutely. So if you had the the skin tone that I have, you were literally not legally able to purchase a home and how that has affected the ability to build generational wealth in this country. It has also prevented a lot of people from pursuing entrepreneurship in a meaningful way because they weren't they didn't have the access to capital. So when we think about cultural competence, we are developing programs that make sense and really speak to the unique challenges of our entrepreneurs, whether they are black or brown or if they are women entrepreneurs, we're just making sure that we're developing curriculum that really speaks to them and their unique challenges. Mm-hmm. And how might folks find you, Alan? People can find me everywhere on social media. Um, uh, my personal one is at Just Call Me Allen. The one for Mortar is at We Are Mortar. If you're looking for our website, it's the same. And we have a YouTube channel. If you want to learn anything about us or watch some of the things that our program participants have accomplished, we try to profile those things you know, through video so it makes it easy to access. Fantastic. I'm wondering what you have for breakfast every morning, because I can tell you've got a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I skip breakfast, but sometimes it's a a good granola bar and yogurt situation. You know, nothing too heavy because, you know, you got to I got to muscle through the whole day. So, you know, I don't want to start out on a heavy note. (laughs) Light on your feet. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock, and I'm Carol Murphy, your host. We shall see you next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org.